on the History Factory podcast, Carhartt, with the company's very own Dave Moore. I'm Jason Dressel, and welcome to the History Factory podcast, the podcast at the intersection of business and history. With Labor Day around the corner, what better time to learn about a company and brand that is synonymous with labor and hard work? Carhartt, the iconic workwear and apparel company. My History Factory colleague, Aaron Narlock, sits down with our friend Dave Moore, Carhartt's archives and digital asset manager, to talk about all things Carhartt. And it's interesting because the founding and origin story of Carhartt is truly intertwined with American labor and the labor movement in some respects. The company began in 1889, which was just a few years after the first Labor Day holiday was celebrated in New York City on September 5th, 1882, and just five years before President Grover Cleveland signed a law in 1894, making the first Monday in September a National Labor Day holiday. And as you're about to hear from Dave and Aaron's conversation, Card has been linked to labor from the outset, and its iconic apparel, like its bib overalls, chore coat, and other items, have evolved with, in some cases, very minimal changes. And I love, for instance, how Dave notes some of the changes that have been made over time, like the little details of a pocket designed to hold a pocket watch, which was especially appreciated by customers a century ago. And it's now a pocket that's designed with consideration for carrying a mobile phone. So it's only fitting that Carhartt was Detroit-born and bred and is still headquartered there. And now as a global company of 5,500 people, about half of those employees are American workers about one-third of whom are UFCW union members. So a great brand that is beloved by hardworking men and women all over the world. Here's Carhartt's Dave Moore speaking with History Factory's Aaron Narlock. Dave, thanks for joining us today. It's so nice to have you here representing Carhartt. You know, thinking of Carhartt as this heritage brand, it probably has an incredible origin story. Could you share that origin story with us? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, first off, it's great great to be here talking about Carhartt. Um, Carhartt's origin story is pretty cool because it connects very much to today. Um, and it's really rooted in how we develop product in the first place. So... Our founder, Hamilton Carhart, um, you know, he started the business in Detroit in 1889. Uh, and leading up to that, um, he was a traveling salesman selling all sorts of goods on the railroad. Um, and he was a very outgoing, talkative guy. Uh, and he was always trying to find out, you know, what sort of products people needed or whatever. Anyway, started talking to all these railroad workers and found that they could really use better quality work clothing. Um, so really Carhartt is born out of consumer research, which is something that really continues as a huge philosophy for us all the way up until today. Um, we want to build functional product that that works for our consumers. So he took all these things he was hearing from these railroad workers about the sort of shortcomings of their work clothing and used that to design and overall 
um, you know, to fit their needs. So really Carhartt started with this railroad worker overall. Uh, and after, you know, initial success of building this high quality clothing, um, you know, and this overall um, started expanding into other outerwear uh, in the early years and just really grew off this reputation of, of high quality workwear from the very beginning. Uh, and so that's something we still hold very dear today in the way that we design product. That's great. Thanks. I can't imagine riding the railroad selling merchandise. I love it. Yeah, it was a, an evolution for him because his first traveling salesman role was was in a horse and wagon. So um, that, that even even working on the railroad was was an evolution for him in those days. And continues today, I'm sure, where workers are working, what what different industries on different types of, you know, vehicles and and. Yeah, it's a. It's a huge part of what we do today. I, you know, when I talk to like new hires and, and other people about connecting then to now, um, I just say, we just have a whole department now, you know, whole departments now that do what Hamilton did. So, you know, they're constantly visiting job sites, talking to people about their clothing, their needs. You know, if we design anything, we want it to be functional and we want it to serve a purpose that's, you know, dictated by the end user, you know, that's really the goal. So we'll go out and visit, you know, solar farms. I think our teams have even gone to like archeological digs and things like that, like really casting a wide net of, you know, different types of jobs and, and uses for our clothing so that we can, you know, design new product to, to fill those needs. Great. So how does the Carhartt archive support the business today? You mentioned the then and now, series? Are there any other kind of ways you support business? Well, we, I, I, you said we only have a half hour, so I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I mentioned, you know, internally, um, so, you know, new hire orientation, onboarding, really being that part of that initial introduction to the company for, for new employees to really be rooted in that history and the philosophy of of what we're all about since the beginning. Um, so internal engagement is, is really big for the archive between, as I said, orientation, tours of the archive, now that we have a, a cool space to be able to tour people through. Um, but that also obviously goes into work with um, product development, work with marketing campaign development. I myself am, am organized um, within the creative marketing department. Um, so I work very heavily with that department, but really across the company, drawing inspiration, um, bringing old design details and patterns and, you know, things like that into new product, something that, you know, was was here in, in bits and pieces, you know, before the archive really made its mark. Um, but now, you know, barely a season goes by that there's not something in the line that has, you know, influence from a heritage piece. I was talking to a designer recently and somebody was asking them, you know, about, you know, how we're, we're very sort of sparing in the way that we do like collabs with other brands. And, and what she said to them was, well, we collab with ourselves all the time, which I thought was a really cool way to put it. We have so much stuff in the, in the archives to draw on that um, it really becomes a huge part of, of how we do things. Um, 
But then, you know, in addition to all of that, from the archive side and sort of the information science side, um, you know, I, I serve as the manager for our digital asset management system. Um, you know, I'll I'll sit in with other teams, you know, things like advice on, you know, our production team or our um, design team and like, you know, their inventory and inventorying all their samples and things like that will, you know, provide expertise and, and help those teams with like organizational stuff as it relates to information science. So even beyond that really cool um, stuff you see reflected in the product and the marketing, there's also, you know, bringing that archival organizational kind of expertise is also something that the archive can can help with. So it's really like every day kind of brings a new adventure <laughs> a little bit, um, you know, and and even helping customer service. We often have people reaching out to our customer service team looking for more information about an old product they have, whether they bought it, you know, vintage or handed down from a family member, which happens quite a bit. Um, which, you know, is, is really cool to work with the, the end users and the customers um, to get them some more information about the, the old products they have. Um, and that's always kind of a fun research project for me. Um, so there's definitely more, but I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> I think you did a great job of showing how the archive at Carhartt is really positioned to serve the whole business and the, the consumer. Um, I think it's so interesting that you mentioned not only the product stories, that you have to pull from, but this concept that, you know, the expertise of archives and structure, taxonomy, organization can be benefit, um, be a benefit to the rest of the organization. That's super interesting. So if you think about the values um, of Carhartt, the ones that have always been, you know, can you give, provide any examples from history that highlight what Carhartt stands for? So, you know, just like any other company, we have you know, our mission and values and all, all our statements. But really, if you boil it down, the idea is do the right thing. Uh, and that is something that's also rooted in our origin story. So in addition to quality product and, and all that, um, quality really also made its way into the way that Hamilton Carhartt set up his business for his employees and his associates, um, you know, being born in the late 1800s um he was one who was very outspoken in workers rights in um you know the union movement um you know providing good working conditions fair pay fair wages um having those those unions and organizations in place to to have good relationships with em employees and have that structure when they did have an issue it could be dealt with you know, in a in a in a meaningful way, in a way that you know worked between the the management and the employees. So that idea of you know treating your employees right, doing the right thing, working responsibly, um, all of those things are you know a, a huge way that the archive you know can can provide the foundation for that in the records and the documents and all the evidence. You know, I. I would say that, you know, when you have an archive, you know, and, and you talk about your history or your values from the beginning, you know, you need to have the archive to, to back it up, you know, or else how are you, how are you proving what you're saying now, you know, so those, those ideas of, of being responsible, you know, in the way that you're operating and working with your employees and, and working within society 
is is a huge part of who we are too that's rooted in our history so we're always bringing out examples of that you know writings from our founder about those things even his testimony in front of congress in 1900 about the value of unions and workers rights and and good relationships between you know employer and employee um and also you know a, a history of charitable giving and and things that we've done ever since the beginning to give back to our local community and you know organizations for our our core consumers you know um so you know those are all things in the archive that really lend a lot of weight to what we're doing today uh as something that you know has been consistent through the history and not just something we're trying to launch and, and do right now you know it's something that has a legacy yeah that authenticity right it's not that flash in the pan yeah um, you really can provide the authenticity throughout time the receipts right you have the receipts captain i like that yeah we have the receipts <laughs> so thinking about carhartt is a beloved brand right in this brand affinity i think is represents a wide audience space, right? From the, you know, union workers or railroads, but it also crosses into, I think, those fashion conscious individuals. So how do you serve your your core audience and fans of the brand? And how do you differentiate the messaging from the archive to touch these different audiences? It's a, that's a really good question. And I think it relates to the way that we kind of, you know, Carhartt in general as a company kind of does its marketing and does its interaction with the public. And I think you hit the nail on the head already with that term authenticity. Um, that's just, that's, that's what drives everything that we do with the way that we talk to our consumers, no matter who they are. It's, it's really about being authentic to our mission and that idea of, you know, building functional, durable clothing responsibly. Um, the goal is to serve everyone who works hard, who, you know, and so it's it's kind of a, a mantra that can cross all of these different sort of, you know, all the consumer segments and all the terms that we use. But ultimately, Carhartt is for anybody and everybody who wants to work hard and, and get their hands dirty. Um, and I think the affinity that some have to it, like from a fashion standpoint too, where maybe you're not wearing it for that is rooted in the same thing, right? It has that ethos. It has kind of that DNA of being this like no nonsense functional product. And that appeals obviously to the people who need it, you know, for their jobs and, and to keep themselves safe and protected on the job site. But that sort of, mission and mantra behind the product just makes it authentic to somebody saying like you know if i'm going to wear this just as fashion or out on the town it's it's kind of the same thing that's appealing to them in a, in a way you know um that authenticity so you know you're wearing something that is no nonsense and and it's it's made for a purpose and maybe that's reflective of like my personality and and who i am of like even if I'm not working, you know, and with, you know, in manual labor with my hands, like I have that mentality of like getting the job done and, and, and that having that Carhartt patch kind of reflects it in what you're wearing, whether or not you, you need it in that way, you know? Yeah. Some people work hard at looking good. Right. And yeah, 
Good to know that Carhartt delivers for that as well. Well, you know, I'm I'm the archivist. I, you know, of course, I lift my boxes and, and have to deal with some dirty things here and there. But obviously, I have plenty of Carhartt in my wardrobe. Um, but, you know, for me, too, it's it's that appeal that it has for functionality, even just around the house, in the outdoors. I'm a, I'm a very outdoorsy guy, so I like to wear it. You know, it's good for camping and and you know cold weather and and you know increasingly now warm weather with a lot of our new products you know gearing up for that too so um you know it appeals in that way yeah good design it's time mm-hmm. yep. um so i'm visiting the carhartt archive today okay what are you showing me and why oh man well I would be lying if I didn't say that, you know, on any given day, my sort of personal what I'm feeling and what I'm interesting interested in on that any given day might uh, might come into it. And and these days I do I think it's really exciting. I think maybe it's the popularity of kind of, you know, the sort of like unboxing videos or other things like that, that I do like to show off kind of like what's new. Like it's always fun to just show off like, hey, this is the newest thing we acquired. Um, but really, <clears throat> as far as the displays I put together and tours I do for folks, like I really like to illustrate, you know, ch- change over time, but but a commitment to to the mission that I outline. So, you know, it's it's something I, I show a lot with my our, our iconic products, things like the overalls. Uh, our product called our chore coat, which we still sell today, was introduced in the 1910s. Uh, our Detroit jacket that was introduced in the 1950s, we still sell today. But I like to bring out ones from different eras and, and different years, because obviously a big part of my collection strategy is to like, okay, these have been in the line for years, right? So yeah, I can't, I'm not going to collect one from every year. I don't have that much space, <laughs> you know, and and sometimes it's hard to tell the exact year with the old ones, but, um, you know, to show change over time to show when the pocket that was designed initially to have a pocket watch um, was, you know, sort of updated to be a more generic pocket because everybody started wearing wristwatches. Or now the pocket on the bib, you know, overall has a has a zipper and it's designed for your cell phone. So, you know, showing that change over time, especially in those classic pieces to say that, you know, we, we respect our DNA and, and we want to have that kind of you know, feel and silhouette of that style be the same, but that we're not just going to sit around and say, okay, well, it's selling, we'll just leave it be, you know, we always want to relook at all of those things to make sure that even if it's something that, you know, that core style that's been in the line for over 100 years that, you know, we're, we're serving the needs of today. So I really like to show examples of these pieces like through time, not only that, but to show different fabrics we've used, how even our car- classic Carhartt brown color has changed over the years. Um, you know, change over time is a really cool thing to show because I always say, you know, no matter how advanced and technical the new product we are making is with all sorts of stretch fabrics and moisture wicking and whatever, it's part of this lineage, you know, you, you can't have it with all the, without all the things, you know, you can't have our moisture wicking force t-shirt without having our classic pocket cotton pocket tee that was introduced in the, you know, in the nineties, like it's all part of this continuum. So the stuff I show, I really try to capture those stories. 
That's great. Yeah, the consideration of design details as the world around us continues to change. Yeah. That's a really, really wonderful thing to think about, especially when you consider the target consumer being someone who's who's out there working, right? So you're in in essence an extension of their 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 gear. They you are the gear, right? But you are you know, your protection, your all of those things to them. Well, and the gear become, and that's, you know, the, the cool thing when we get, you know, information and stories from consumers, especially sometimes they'll send back something that's absolutely trash. They'll like send it to us because, you know, their partner, whoever is saying like, you got to get rid of this. Like, this is not usable anymore. Why is this still in the house? And, you know, so a lot of times they'll send it to us with like a letter being like, I couldn't bear to throw this away because, you know, I, I got to get it out of the house. It's, it's, it's to the point I can't wear it anymore, but I couldn't like just throw it in the garbage. Like it had to have a, have a future. And I think that speaks to that connection of not only is the, is the clothing like kind of an extension of us as, as a company, well, not kind of, it is, but that also it becomes a second skin a lot of times for the wearer where, you know, not only they're wearing it to stay protected on a job where, you know, and most, you know, they're supporting their family or, or, you know, so it becomes this kind of like extension of them. So in a way it kind of like connects us as the company, like directly to that person through the clothing, you know, it becomes this like conduit of we've got your back and, you know, and then it's kind of returned when they're like, man, I can't throw this away. I gotta, I gotta send it back. And fortunately, you know, since, the archive was established. We we have that, but even before the archive, we'd love to put those kind of things on display, um, and and talk to those you know ways that consumers connect to us. Yeah, because it then it becomes more than a jacket or overalls, right? It's to your point, it's an extension of that person's lived experience mm -hmm. or an heirloom. It's passed <laughs> down to them from their from their parent or uncle or whatever uh, or aunt. You know, it's it's really cool to see the way that that happens. Yeah, I like also enjoy the concept around, like these, these are evidence um, of long wear test periods. <laughs> like yeah. this, is, this is how something wears after 20, 30 years of use or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, you know, when I, when I show stuff, I like to show the evolution. I like to show kind of the different aspects of the archive. So obviously there's, you know, trying to collect the product history and show the change over time in the styles, but also to show those other parts of the collection, like, okay, those are important because of their role in the product history. This one's important because it tells a story of a, of a consumer and, and everything they went through wearing it, you know? Yeah. Great. So in closing, just want to ask, do you have a favorite product story? Do you have a favorite piece from the archive? If so, please dish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're kind of, I'll kind of take them separately because um, one of my favorite product stories isn't a, isn't a story about a, a clothing product at all. It's a story about an automotive product. So um you know, little known fact is that Carhartt in the early 1910s, we actually tried our hand in the automobile industry and we actually started our own car company. Um, seeing as a time in Detroit before, you know, the idea of, you know, automobile mass production hadn't fully come into fruition yet uh, by that point. 
um, there was a lot of competition. There's a lot of different companies popping up, making cars. And we tried to try our hand at that industry. So um, it's a very cool story. Uh, was not particularly successful and was shuttered after a few years. But, um, you know, it's it's a cool part of our history that also we're very proud of our roots here, you know, where I am in Detroit. Um, so it's kind of a fun connection to, to the city. Um, but, you know, that's been a fun one for me because I don't have a lot in the archives related to it. You know, I have some advertisements and things like that, but it's actually been me um, getting connected and working with some local institutions like the Detroit Public Library uh, in particular, who has some photographs and other, you know, information about these cars. So it's been kind of a fun investigation thing for me. And um, probably just selfishly mentioning this because I have not been able to source a vehicle. So, you know, any opportunity I have to get the, the word out there, uh, you know, connect and, and and reach out to me if you know where one is or, or might have a line on one. But that's that's probably my favorite kind of one of my favorite product stories. You know, I've been with Carhartt about nine years, so obviously I have a lot. Um, but that's that's a fun one. And, you know, a couple of my favorite pieces in the archives are obviously, you know, the clo I love all the, the clothing, but um, I think maybe it's the things that are a little bit harder for me to find that are, you know, excite me a little bit more. So um, years back um, through, through um, actually our design department working with some some sort of vintage hounds, people hunting down vintage stuff that they work with for inspiration pieces, they were actually able to source um, a pair of Carhartt leather gloves from the about 1910s as well. Um, and those are really cool. They're these beautiful black leather, like gauntlet style gloves with the big gauntlet coming down, you know, beyond the wrist. Um, and those are really cool. And just last year, through um, someone actually reaching out to our customer service looking for information, I was able to acquire um, a hiking backpack from the 1930s from our uh, what we called our Super Ducks line. Um, it was our first hunting and outdoors line. We recently brought the brand name back actually for some new product of Super Ducks. Um, but locating that, you know, it's just this huge, giant, like rectangular backpacking you know backpack uh um that's made out of our our old canvas fabric um so you know it's it's those are more much more rare to find um those kind of accessory pieces and and things that weren't you know part of that main line of clothing um so those are really exciting ones to find and and you know have even brought out some of those pieces um with you know our accessories department and stuff of you know conversations around hey what if we like you know did a limited run brought something like this back you know so there's there's a lot of conversations we have like that but those those kind of rare pieces are really exciting to me and are fun to show off yeah for sure i i would be a interested in some gauntlet leather gloves right i had some folks looking at them and they were like man this is this is really functional like you know i mean i you know the intention was you know you're stringing barbed wire or doing whatever you know anything where you needed to protect all the way up near the the elbow you know and and it's like hey, this is still functional this is still a good idea you know so uh i think um you know it's it's interesting the places that you'll find inspiration um through the archive and as, as kind of a little bit of a sum up like that's what i really love when i'm i'm 
walking, especially product people through some of this old stuff because you know, you are the archivist and you're you're the access to the to the stuff, you know, and you put it out and and put it on display or show it off to them and and they can get up and see it up close and and um you know, it's interesting to me to see the inspiration they draw, you know, some little you know, stitch pattern or piece of trim or like, you know, the littlest thing and you know they're looking through all these and oh look at that oh that's so you know oh we could do a, a, a stitch like that you know and you know those things that i as someone who's not a product designer or anything you know would never think to pay attention to um it's it's like exciting to see them you know get excited about it sometimes like kids you know they're like getting excited about seeing some some design detail that's just to me so minuscule, I wouldn't have even noticed it myself, but um, they get all excited about it and it's really cool to see. Yeah, that's definitely the magic and alchemy of archives, right? Mm -hmm. It's good to not only preserve, but kind of bring forward and pull that red thread of authenticity and see it in the market today at, yeah. or next season. So, yeah, or three years from now, or what? You know, like, yeah, and that's 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 the cool thing too is that as as someone who works with product and marketing and you know all these different departments that are kind of on different timelines. Obviously, product works so far out, and marketing's you know still working a ways out, but you know on a closer sort of timeline. Like, it's I think the benefit of being in the archive is you you can kind of see it. You 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 touch so many different departments that you see things evolve, you know, you kind of, you know, the more you get integrated into these processes and development, you see how things evolve over time, um, you know, from that initial kernel of an idea all the way into, you know, there's product on the shelves and ads on, you know, ads on TV. So. Yeah, very cool. Well, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. It was great to catch up with you and kind of hear your perspective on how the Carhartt archive serves, you know, the business, the future product development and, and the consumer. Oh, it was great. It was my pleasure, Aaron. Happy to be here. Okay, that concludes this episode of the History Factory podcast. Thanks again to Carhartt's Dave Moore and History Factory's Aaron Narlock. Stay tuned for new episodes coming soon. Be well and hope you have a great Labor Day weekend.